The following program was produced by Community Producer. The content, views, and opinions expressed are the sole responsibility of the Community Producer and do not reflect Malden Access Television, the City of Malden, or your cable provider. MATV welcomes your comments. Call us at 781-321-6400 or email us at access at matv.org. We're all ready to roll. Here's the camera. Hello and welcome to More Than 02148. I'm your guest host today, Ed Lucy, and my guest, as I'm pleased to announce, is Joe Panadosi. Ed, thank you for having me. This well, is so I'm nice to be here. I'm delighted you could fit it in the schedule. I was looking over some of the things that you're involved in. I don't know how you can keep track of everything. <laughs> well, for you, I do anything. Oh, well, that's good. All right, well, what do you got in the wallet? We used to, <laughs> we used to share this. I, I did it once a month, too. And how many years have you been hosting? Well, well that's good. I was going to ask you that. The fact is, I think you may have started before me. I think I did. Yeah, I, I, did. I, ha- I have off. I missed. There's a couple of gaps because of different things. You end up leaving and coming back. But I think to, in total now, it's it's over 20 years for me. So wow. So it was somewhere around the the middle 1990s that I started. Yeah. And again, uh, if you do the math, that's a long, quite a while ago. And, yeah. and you were already here. What yep, was I was here. Yeah, I, was, I started, I think, late 80s. Do you remember the 90s. name of the program when you originally? Malden This Week, I think, was the okay. first name. Yeah. And Jim, um, we, had a, we had a host. Del Russo? Jim Del Russo, yeah. Yeah. There was the other guy before him that went to Maine, I think. He used to do the camera stuff. Yep, uh, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, Mar- yeah. a long time. But... Um, Anyway, it's a, it's an interesting history, and you know I have some facts about your life here. Okay. Um, executive vice president of marketing and business development, and co-owner of the Panadosi Baking Company, and you graduate of BC. Yep. Eighty-three. I hope you went to the football game Saturday. Uh, I did not actually, unfortunately. I was I was I had to work Saturday. But they're having a tough year. They are. They yeah, are unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, and um, they, I think they got a tough game Saturday, or maybe they they'll be allowed this week. I think the uh, their opponent this year is, is in the same kind of. They're this week is um, coming up. This who they playing this week? I think it's someone's own two in the conference, same as them. Okay. And uh, um, you're president of the MRA uh, Educational Foundation. I was. I was past president. Past yep. president. Yeah. So what, what that I'm on the board of the Mass Restaurant Association, which is great for restaurants, um, in in a lot of the restaurants here. As a matter of fact, John Carlino from Exchange Free Bistro here in Malden is the first vice president of that association. He'll become president within about a year. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and uh, he's a, uh, John's a great guy, and he contributes a lot to the association. And Ryan Dion, who uh, is the director of operations for 110 Grill, is also very active in the board uh, of the Mass Restaurant Association. Yes, I brought you that article in which you already have, and that was more to refresh my memory, but you recently had a, a, an event at the 110 Grill where they dedicated their function room there for in, in honor of the Panadosi. Yeah, it was, it was it was quite an honor. Um, they we've been selling them bread now for yeah. a few years, and I've had a g- great working relationship with the One Ten Grill staff, yeah. uh, especially Ryan Dion, who is as I mentioned the head of uh, operations there. They have thirty six locations and they're growing. And uh, this is a uh, a showpiece, the one here in Malden. Yeah, and they have a lot in Florida. No, they uh, actually they're going to. Oh, they, that's the they, that's the growth area. Yeah, they bought a um, a a rib chain that's there now, about five or six units. They're actually opening up Kelly's Roast Beef in Florida. They got the franchise rights. Oh yeah, they they mentioned that. I was at your, that dedication. Yep. And that's opening uh, on uh, Veterans Day this right, year. Yeah. And then they plan on opening up one tens in Florida as well. Right. Um, and the baking, the baking company is a hundred years in business. Hundred and six now. Is it? Uh, I've told you this story before, but I like to repeat it for the uh, for the audience. Uh, many years ago, I owned a small local neighborhood store. I remember. And um, Sunday morning was my my assignment uh, to to be down there, and I would I would I had set up an arrangement with Dunkin' Donuts. Okay. To get donuts because in those days. 
you'd have a fair amount of people Sunday morning who would go to an early mass if they were going to go to church. Right. And they lived in the Maplewood area. And uh, oftentimes they'd have plans for the day. And, and more, less, I think, cookouts, but more likely travel somewhere to a beach section and go right. in there. And, and so in addition to uh, the Dunkin' Donuts, I, I went over to Panadosi's Bakery, which at that time was in Everett. Page Street, Everett. Right. And I made arrangements that I could go over Sunday morning early and get the Spuckies and the French bread and uh, the Italian bread and any and anything else that, uh, that I was going to put on make available for that that group of people that came in after 8 o'clock or so. But the thing that stuck with me in all those years, right behind the counter was a picture of your grandfather. Yes. And you, it, it literally faced the door. Yeah. And I always thought to myself, even at that time, I said, what a great acknowledgement, not just the fact that you got a, a successful business, but that the, that there's a linkage there between the previous generation. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, uh, we we have a lot of pictures of uh, my grandparents and my father and uncles. Yeah, yeah. Have all since passed. And yeah, uh, yeah. They, they don the office walls, which is nice to see. Yeah. It's for what year are you talking when you had this uh, convenience store? That would have been in the. Uh, 60s. Oh wow! Uh, you told I was I wasn't around. You told me about it. So yeah, I yeah. About it. And um, but the other thing you, uh, which um, people would remember that are long-term residents of the city, you did a show here with cable for many years. Yeah, right here, oh two one four eight. Yeah, we were molding this week. We mentioned that. Yeah, and uh, that was before my, my time. We yeah. overlapped a little bit. Yeah, but, uh, we and then we shared because uh, I was doing it. Um, I was doing it was monthly, and then they changed the name, and you were one of the rotating. And uh, Mike Sharon, I guess, was the uh, is was uh, was one of the other. He's still doing it. He still, so he does the O two one four eight as well. Yes, yeah, oh, yeah, good yeah, guy. Yeah, he is. Mike's a very great guy. And, yeah. and, and I want to say something funny. You mentioned the word, which I don't hear that often, and it's so regional, Spucky. Oh. And I wonder what uh, a lot of our listeners don't know what a Spucky is because it's. It kind of dates us and also regionalizes our bakery, but it's a sub role, and um, I don't know where that came from. Well, I think it's I think it's a uh, Italian slang. I'm just because they broke an Italian. I, th- I think it's <laughs> spuccarella or something. may have been uh, a dialect version of the word sub role or, yeah. or, or a role and spucky, but but it's so funny to hear that word because I used to hear it all the time, and now it's uh, it, it brings back memories that word spucky. Yeah, and your former president also of Marlins Chamber of Commerce. Yeah, I think I hold the record for the longest-serving president. I was president. Uh, the terms were only, uh, they were two-year terms. And I was, um, John Falmer, who was still with Eastern Bank, Yes, was president. I was first vice president. Um, halfway during his term, so after about a year, he um, he was transferred to Malden with Eastern Bank, and he went over to corporate. So he he had to step away, and they asked me to step in. So I finished out his term for a year, served my two years, was off two years as I was as uh, past president, still on the executive board, and then the incoming president was a woman named Marion Devlin. I think she was with Medford Savings Bank, and she had become um, pregnant, and her doctor advised her not to take on added responsibilities because she had a pretty big job at her bank. So they went to me because the first vice president wasn't ready to take over. So you drew the short straw. So I drew the short straw. So I was president for five years. Oh, wow. Three, off two, and then back for two. Yeah, right, right. And and during my tenure, for uh, about a year, we didn't have an executive director. We had a woman named Randy Holland who left. I think she went to the American Cancer Society. I remember Randy. She was there when I was uh, mayor. Yep, you yeah. exactly. Yeah. And Randy stepped down, resigned. And uh, for a year, I was doing both. I was working in my company. Unpaid, of course. Unpaid. <laughs> and I was uh, president, but then I became acting director. And it was really funny. I remember one day um, after the first week, or the uh, the secretary, uh, actually Joan Wayshack was the secretary. She called me up and said, oh, we, have, we managed to get by one week. Everything was good. She said, well, okay, you're coming in today to the office. And I'd been in almost every day that week. And I said, I don't think so. Why? She said, well, uh, I need to get paid. <laughs> I had to sign the checks. I didn't realize it, oh. <laughs> so I had to go and, and leave the the bakery to go sign checks for the uh, for the staff. So, um, but we then brought in uh, uh, Maureen Campbell. We interviewed. We went through an, uh, an interview process. So yeah. We uh, we had Maureen Campbell, yeah. and uh, she was she served for quite a few years. Right. 
But I was very active. I enjoyed the chamber. It was yeah. it was great. It was great. And yeah, you were. I have pictures of you in my office. We I, I started the breakfast series. Okay, if you remember? Yep. yep. And we had breakfast, and we um, tapped into some great speakers, great guests, and we had people like um, John Harrington from the Red Sox, John who, Harrington. who came, and he was talking about as a prospective buyer of the Red Sox. You remember he, that? Well, because it was at the Pearl Street. Restaurant, remember. What memory you have, yes. Uh, yeah, what's your name again? <laughs> <laughs> but we had people like Barry and Elliot. We had Senator Kennedy. Yeah. We had um, Cardinal Law at the time. We had um, Aaron Furstein from uh, Malden Mills. Remember him? I sure do. He ended up um, having a fire and ended up paying the people for yep. six months. He just passed away, by the way. I so saw it was a bit for the yeah. paper. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, a lot of great. It was it was a fun event. The Malden Breakfast Series was a lot of fun. We're doing it monthly, and it started right on time at 7.30. Yeah. 7.38, we'd have coffee and, uh, and this little meet and greet. It was like a cocktail hour without the booze. Yeah. And then 8 o'clock, we started the program. By 9, everybody could go back to work. But we had some great speakers, and right. we moved it around between Anthony's and the Moose and, yeah. and uh, the IA. Yeah. So. Now, now, you're currently doing a radio program. Yeah, I'm on uh, uh, 680 AM, WRKO, Saturday night, 6 to 7. It's called Breaking Bread. And I was also on a show, uh, also Breaking Bread. It was North Show 1049 out of Beverly, FM station, 1049 FM. And unfortunately, over the summer, they sold to a Christian rock station out of California. Oh, interesting combination. So, Christian rock. Christian rock. So I ended up, uh, <laughs> the programming all changed. So fortunately, I'm on, um, on RKO right now. And I'm going to be adding uh, in Worcester, WTAG, another iHeart station, to Breaking Bread, which is kind of fun. And the breaking bread. What do you have guests on a regular? Yeah, basis? it's just a, it's just a regular talk show. I yeah. have uh, political or sports, or everything, sports, yeah. entertainment, yeah. business, chefs. Yeah. I this coming week I have Chaz Palmateri, the actor. Oh, who wrote the Bronx Tale, but I've had in the past Regis Philbin, Ed Asner, the governor, governor's wife. I've had Ray Bork, um, a lot of great people. Right. Now. Um, when you uh, were in Everett, do you remember approximately how many uh, employees you had at that time? I, I remember, um, geez, when I was growing up in the 70s, 60s, 70s, I think we had uh, 36 or maybe under 40 employees at one point. And you moved to Malden in the 60s? No, no, we moved here in uh, 75, um, yeah, 75, we moved to Malden. Okay. And, um, yeah, so we went from Everett. Uh, two locations in Everett. There was one at the Circle, and then Urban Renewal came, moved us down the street. I think it was 160, 157 Main Street. Main Street, yeah. And then we moved here to Malden. When we became more commercial, uh, more wholesale, uh, we were really in a in a uh, uh, retail residential zone being on Main Street in Everett. Right. So we moved to Malden, a beautiful facility on Commercial Street. We've been here since 75. And, uh, and, and how many employees do you have now? Just over 200. So you're one of the biggest employers in the city. Um, probably, yeah. yeah, we're, yeah we're up yeah. there. New England Coffee, I'm sure, is big. And yeah, um, yeah for the few people who may not be aware, of, you also have a, uh, a, a, an outlet, retail outlet, at, in, in the Marlins. Yep, right at our main plant, 240 Commercial Street. Right. We're open six days a week, Monday through Saturday. Right. Yeah. And uh, you can go. We, with COVID, we had to reduce hours, and and we now have just a takeout window. We used to be able to come in the plant, and right. you can still, if you look through the window, you can see bread. Uh, up ahead on the uh, conveyor belts, which right. cools the bread from right. the ovens and takes it to the packaging area. So the old adage about you can't live by bread alone is not true. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, well, yeah. give the, us this day our daily bread. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the um, the coronavirus, now that has an impact on people at every level. Uh, it certainly must have had some impact on your business and the way you had a modify your way you did business. Sure, everyone uses the word pivot, which gets overused, but um, we a few things sustained us. Um, we ended up um, we had to um, furlough some people um, because it, it we just went, our main business was food service, being restaurants, hotels, caterers, schools. Of course, they all shut down. Uh, however, Florida only a couple short weeks were down, and we do a lot of business in the state of Florida, so that sustained us as long as as well as the other southern states. But um, we also only dabbled in retail supermarkets. And we, we realized people, you know, you get together and say, people still have to eat and still eating bread. How do we get bread to them? So we started doing a lot more supermarkets. So currently we sell supermarkets 
from Maine all the way to Jersey, New Jersey. And um, that helped us quite a bit between Stop and Shops and and Shaw's and Star Markets and Market Baskets and many others. So, I, you know, I noticed when I go to Stop and Shop here in Marlin, that's your French bread that's there? Yes. With your own, with your own sleeve? Yep, that's okay. our sleeve, yeah. Okay, so it says, I, 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 I've seen it. I haven't looked at the... At the but but uh, in fact, you even go further than Florida, don't you? In terms of the we're, we're nationwide. Yeah. We do a lot of restaurant chains, but yeah. but but I, I mentioned Florida. Um, they became a real big state for us. Um, a lot of people from the Northeast settled in Florida, moved there, and um, they liked our bread. They just got used to our bread, and um, I, I it was a second home. My parents had a home there for years, so I traveled there quite a bit, and I um, built up the business. Right. So it was. Uh, it's a great spot for us to to do business, and but we don't really do retail in Florida. But we do now retail supermarkets, as I said, from Maine to New Jersey. Right. Now, in terms of moving the bread, it's all it's all baked here in Malden. Everything's baked here and, in Malden, and presumably you must fly it there. No, no, frozen. We ship well um, for the supermarkets. We deliver for, uh, now. We'll send trucks all the way down to Jersey. Right. Independent carry. We we don't. Uh, do, well, we have a few of our own trucks, yeah. but we don't do a lot of our own distribution. Yeah. Um, but most of the food service goes frozen through distributors like Cisco, U.S. Foods, PFG. You see those trucks up and down the highway. But we bake the product here in Malden. We uh, flash freeze the product and uh, hold it in our holding freezers and then ship it in frozen trailers to frozen uh, distribution centers throughout the country. We do a lot of restaurant chains, yeah, yeah. which puts us in different yeah, markets. Yeah, yeah. Now, you've had an exposure over the years to other states. How would you uh, compare Ma- Massachusetts in terms of business climate for for uh, either being here or uh, or uh, having to come here for other reasons? Massachusetts can be tough. I mean, there's a lot of rules and regulations in the state, um, and uh, you, you know that's that's hurt us a little bit. I mean, the regs, you know, de- dealing with regulations is is just uh, we constantly have inspectors coming in and checking us. I mean, we. We really run a tight ship. We we keep everything, um, you know, on the straight and narrow. We we, we take pride in our cleanliness. Uh, we're kosher par. We um, allergens are a big thing, and we uh, we've eliminated most allergens into the bakery, which which is a good thing. So we don't bring in nuts and and dairy items that could uh, could cause potential ha- hazard for people with allergies. Um, but you know, Massachusetts is is. You know, we like being here. It's our roots, but um, it's it's could be a lot tougher here to do business than than some of the other states. Yeah. There's, there's an exodus out of uh, New Jersey. There certainly is out of New York and in California, and the and the, the one the people that are leaving and the businesses that are leaving California. A lot of isn't going to Texas. The ones that are leaving this area, in Florida like, too. They're going to Florida, and uh, I suppose part of it, they have no income tax, uh, no state income tax in Florida. Right. So that's and, and I think labor. Uh, I mean, we, I think our minimum wage is higher here, um, and, and our healthcare costs are higher. Um, real estate taxes are higher. I mean, there's a lot. You know, the Northeast is more expensive, I think, than some of the other states. Yeah. Um, Midwest or or even you know, down south. Yeah. There's a ballot question this year. I'm not sure. There's, there's more than one, but the one that seems to be already at being advertised on the on the television is the, the there's question uh, one. Question one. Yeah. Which is is an uh, 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 question itself deals with uh, surta- surtaxing people with incomes over a million dollars net income. Yeah, I actually don't have to worry about that, but <laughs> but um, no, well, I mean, that's that's why I asked the question. It's uh, <laughs> y- you know, I'm gonna it, kick your son. Maybe you split the income. It uh, <laughs> concerns me. Um, I just hope that there's not a mass exodus here. Yeah, I mean, the people that that do make that kind of money, I don't know how many live in the state. According to uh, records, I mean, they, it would bring in uh, what billions of dollars of additional tax revenue. I think they said millions, or, or is it billions? I don't even know at this point. Millions. Who? Well, it couldn't be a million. It wouldn't be worth a while. That's only a small billions. amount. It's billions. Yeah, that. yeah. But the problem is this. Um, I hope these people don't relocate. Well, yeah, that's and, what and, happened. And, and, and yeah. leave the state. Yeah. And then, I mean, these people, you know, they're already paying a, a decent amount of taxes, but also they're generating business here in the, in the, in the Commonwealth, which if they leave, there's going to be a void. And, um, you know, and they're going to get their friends and, and, and people that, that are their equals, I guess, and Convince them to leave, and I I think it could hurt the state. That's my take. 
Yeah, the thing would be, as, as, uh, and I'm not sure of all the details, but I think in California the people literally have relocated. They've left entirely the yeah. state. And that includes, obviously, some significant-sized businesses. Sure. Or if they haven't left the state in entirely in California, what they've done is that they've relocated the bulk of their business, and they may they may have a satellite operation where True. before. So the people either um, would end up relocating or they will have to find new employment. Right. So because um, it makes little little uh, advantage to someone if, there's, uh, if this passes – that they individually don't leave the state because if they earn the money in the state, then obviously they're going to pay the tax in the state like the people do in New Hampshire. Right. You look at 93 every day, there's a lot of people drive down from New Hampshire. Sure. But they're paying taxes on the money they're earning in Massachusetts. So that would be as true with business people who qualified for that million-dollar income level that if they had a W-2 from Massachusetts and company, they, so that thing is – then they – when they leave, you don't have them there, and sometimes you don't have their business either. Exactly. Yeah. So, exactly. Uh, but in some ways, it's almost easy if if you very few people are in that category. So it's, the the flip side of this is they're saying you can get a a benefit from it by the virtue of the revenue stream coming into the state. In which case, that's more money for education or right. whatever else they do. By the way, I got some good news. Okay. Which I think you're eligible for. Okay. Good. And I wanted to get this in before the end of the program. Um. Massachusetts had a great year fiscally ending yeah. in June. And so what they've done now is not because they want to, but because there was a law passed in the 18, 1980s that if there's the, uh, the growth of income was greater than a certain level, the threshold, as it were, the net money would go back to the, the residents of the city of the, of the state that filed income tax. Right. It's only happened once in 40 years. Okay. The time it happened before was back in the 80s. And at that time, they were giving you a credit in lieu of giving you the money. Right, okay. And so, it, it, so it really was not, it didn't work out to the benefit of the people. That was a ruling that came down from the tax department. And the net effect was about a third of the money that should have gone back to people in the form of a, a, a check didn't go anywhere because the people didn't realize the process of the system they didn't they didn't put in for it for the for the tax credit so they right. didn't get it so the state with all well intended and by the way that the reason they had it at all was because of a vote of the people on a referendum question so sometimes the people have a better way of doing things than the politicians you elect but having said that currently Massachusetts this past year had a huge surplus in their in their budget right now, it's attributed to several sources, but I think some of it actually came from this uh, program that the national, national government initiated where they, they, they funnel money back to states in order to help with the unemployment and, and other things for people who are affected by the coronavirus. So in effect, it was literally a, a billion dollars, two billion or whatever, and that's not... Close to three, I thought, wasn't right, it? Right, yeah. yeah three was, billion. The surplus itself, I think, was five. And it was two two billion was the threshold, so about three billion goes back to the people. The interesting thing is, number one, there's a, there's, I think it's the 17th of October is the last day that you're allowed as an extension from last year's taxes to file. So you have to file your taxes by the 17th of October to be eligible for 21. For 21, right? Which should have been done really last April 15th. That's right, well, but they get, they gave a six month uh, extension. Okay. okay. Now the the other thing is. Unlike the federal program that gave back money uh, a couple of different times, the state the federal program had a ta cap on how much you'd be eligible. If your income as a joint couple was more than one hundred and fifty thousand or whatever, right. you weren't eligible for the for the st stimulus check. In the state program, there's no cap. Really? So the rich get richer. But that's the, but that's the way it's. Uh, Let me ask you a question. Why did, now you you being former mayor, why didn't the state why why don't we just lower our taxes if we have this surplus? And I'm sure they've made money from from interest with that extra three billion dollars. I mean, wouldn't it? Be, instead of them going through the time, and the expense of of giving people cash back, wouldn't it make sense going forward to? I mean, we're, we're known. I remember the term when I was growing up, Taxachusetts. We were one of the. Um, of course, we have income tax, state income tax. But we have a higher tax rate than than a good percentage of the states here in, in the country. Not California. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I'm just, I'm, I'm curious to know why they took this money in. And then on the flip side, you keep on hearing about the legislatures, uh, legislators um, trying to um, 
you know, to, to increase taxes and tax different things. We talked about the, you know, uh, question one. But if, if the state took in that much money and it's like, what do we do with it? Well, let's give it back to the people. Why don't they just, going forward, lower the tax rate? Well, th- there is a there is a law in effect that there is a that triggers a reduction in the tax rate at the at the state level. That's number one. In this instance here, since it only happened forty years ago, once or I think it was nineteen eighty seven or something, that was the well, last time. You were mayor at that time, weren't you? No, not into the nineties. Okay, and there was no money there in, in that time. But, but so if it only happened once, and the idea is. If you do this because it's the law, and that's the reason it's being done, I don't think maybe the legislators themselves were aware it was even going to happen until, it was, until the law was alerted to them, um, is that it's a one-time thing where it's easier to, to have a one-time program that, than it is that, that if you reduce the tax rate, to right. put it back. You know, it's, it's like the tolls. I remember when they, uh, remember they were going to, uh, the tolls were only temporary. Yeah. Tolls on, on the mass bike and everything, and right. they, they stayed an awful long time. To pay the bond off, you'll have right. a toll. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But one other thing with this, which is a, this throw, there are some people who owe money. Okay. So the, what may happen in some instances, rather than think about it, they don't do anything. And eventually, one way or the other, they're going to have to pay the taxes. So in this sense here, if they file the return on the 17th, by the 17th, they become eligible. So even if they owe taxes, they won't get the money. Those people that have uh, owe, uh, uh, owe taxes from other years, right. that's going to be one place they look to get the, get to use the money to pay off that amount that's owed. Okay. If you owe child support, you don't get it because okay. the state has right. intervened in that program. And obviously, if you don't, if you don't file... Whether you, and, and you're entitled to it if you file. If you don't file, you don't get it. Even right. though you, so, even people that owe money, you're better off to to file. Number one, to to you know to be eligible for the refund, and the second thing, and the more important thing, is that that reduce somewhat the interest you're paying on the money you haven't paid that you already owe. Right. And uh, at the time when they were going, when they found out they were owed, uh, the people were owed this option. They thought it was going to be a so. For instance, let's say if, if your state, um, which would be a relatively fair amount, um, let's say your state income tax was five thousand dollars last year, they thought the people were going to get about seven percent, and um, so that would have been three hundred fifty dollars. If it's a joint return, you get only get for one. Okay. So if if a if a spouse and a, your, uh, let's say a husband or wife file separately, they could put potentially get two checks but okay. if you file jointly you only get the one and the the, uh, the thing is it's, it turns out it's going to be about 13 percent the estimate so instead of getting 350 people are going to get 650 dollars which is, is, is and they're going to start sending the checks in november what's nice is you don't have to do anything you just you don't have to file anything I mean, if you've already filed your taxes right you, you don't have to sign anything or just automatically going to come right. And a couple of good things. You said November. So, I mean, everyone's been struggling with uh, inflation costs. So this will certainly help. And then going into the holiday season, hopefully it'll help the economy and give us a little boost. And people can have a little bit of a brighter holiday season this year. Right. And that's that's um, a reason I wanted to emphasize the November. And that's the article indicated as well, indicated as well is that people can then have that extra money to do things that they haven't been able to do for different reasons. But... I think what will happen if if um, it's like the the federal st- stimulus, the people that file electronically will get the money first, and okay. that oftentimes if you have, if if you have a third party doing your taxes, that's the way taxes are normally filed. There are obviously a lot of people that do their own taxes for for relig- a lot of reasons, good reasons, but I think that tends to be in the bottom of the pile kind of because that's a manual transaction. Right. And I talked to someone recently who. It does her own taxes, and she's got a refund in, in the at the federal level, and th- that's owed from uh, two years ago, and she still hasn't got the money. And part of the reason is that with the with the coronavirus and the w- working remote and all those other things that occurred in recent times, um, the manual refunds that were due to people who had filed taxes are, are again near the end because when you electronically file, it's all done on the computer, and it's they can do umpty nine returns a day where if you do it manually they have to review it and those other things so anyway if you, i don't think you'll get the money in november if you file re- on uh, manually well if you'll get it before the holidays before the end of maybe, the year so maybe they, they, they're going to try and do that but you know the government works in mysterious ways and, well, you know, well they, if know, they know it's coming then people can can use their credit cards which is a whole other issue yeah. that i that i find 
strange. I'm old fashioned, and I, I can't believe that uh, people are using credit cards for everything now. But I mean, it's hard to use cash. I mean, I've been shot down. To you can't go to Fenway Park. You can't go to Boston Garden. Um, you can't use cash. Eat. You can't eat, right? You need you need credit cards. <laughs> it's it's funny that uh, that people use credit cards for everything now. And a few years ago, I remember back in the day, the Hilltop Restaurant. I remember you, you knew it well. For years, they didn't take cash. I mean, they didn't take credit cards. Yeah, right. And now, now a lot of restaurants don't take cash. Well, be, uh, the um, and they they remind you about tips. You can do that electronically. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, the um, the, the the thing with the uh, credit card sometimes, although uh, sometimes people use it, younger people just, like you said, they just charge everything because they don't have cash on them. Right. But you do have some incentive indirectly in that you get points that you right. can translate into into yeah, yeah. money, which buys something else. But but the practical matter is that people don't cash sometimes because they don't have much of it to get to carry. Right. Right. Uh, as yeah. A, uh, but but even I, I find it even like my son. I mean to buy. A bottle of water, or a cup of coffee. People pull out credit card. Well, a lot of places, like I said, they won't take cash. But I mean, to use a, I mean, I, I always reserve my credit card uh, uh, charges for higher priced items. I would, you know, for the most part, I, I have trouble going to McDonald's and using a credit card. You well, know? try uh, pocket meter. Do you use cash out? Oh here? yeah, no, you need a credit card. That's right. Uh, no, you can do cash. Well, I use the credit card. I can, oh. The one. You, have to have, you have to have a pile of quarters. To oh, think. yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> nice having the option to do both. Yeah, but anyway, so that's that's the good news. And, and um, what we're witnessing, obviously, in the, in the, at the business level is that these are very difficult times sure. um, for a lot of businesses. That, and, and in spite of the president indicating very recently, on, announcing on 60 Minutes that the pandemic was over. And then uh, we're, doing, we're losing 400 people a day, but that's, we'll save that for another time. <laughs> but um, there's still businesses and, and at every level who are, who are having difficulties, and, and people, uh, in spite of getting some of these stimulus checks, in spite of getting raises, depending what, what kind of work that they do, the uh, the inflationary problems exacerbated to the point where the they've offset whatever gains they made. So the, we mentioned credit cards. I think the average credit card is, when I do surveys, like $7,000. Wow. And you're paying in the range of in excess of 20% interest, and people Jeez. don't equate that with a, as a cost but the, right. because it's a painless way when you – but you pay a monthly payment, and it, and it says right on the statement you get, a, you may see it yourself, that if you don't, if you only pay the minimum, it'll take seven years or five yeah. years to pay off what you currently owe. And right, it, and people keep an ongoing balance, whatever. Yeah. So, so yeah. You no, know, times have been tough. I mean, for businesses, and I mean the combination of of labor. I mean, yeah. getting getting a lot of people um, uh, don't want to go back to work or, or expect to work remotely now. It's we find that at our company. And, and you did you did remote a lot. Um, we did uh, obviously, you know, production people need to be in the plant to right. produce the product, but a lot of admin people, um, you know, opted that they they you know stayed home before, and it's hard to, to lure these people back. And then if you're looking for other employees to come, I mean, the first question is, is it remote? And they they tell you, like, I can give you maybe one or two days a week, maybe three. I've heard that countless times interviewing people yeah. for various positions. And, um, you know, I, I just, especially with the younger generation, it's great to be able to come in and meet and greet people and you'll learn from, they talk about like water cooler chat, Yeah. but um, you can learn from the, the senior members of the organization. And um, I don't know, I, I'm concerned about the, I saw like an old fogey, Ed, but the, I'm concerned about uh, the younger generation because are they going to be able to navigate um, the, the world growing, going forward not connecting with people one on one because they're so used to via computer Zoom and conference calls and everything. I just think you can't beat, especially in sales. I'm an old salesperson that you need to meet people face to face one on one. The the uh, the people that you currently gain see applying for positions now. When you were in Everett, you mentioned you had under forty employees. Yep. Presumably, what they were probably in most instances, they were local people. Sure. Oftentimes, maybe they went to they work there because they they had a family member or a friend. We, we had a there. lot of people. It's pretty funny. From initially Italy, us being Italian, right? And um, people came from Italy, and they were told go to Pianadosi and Everett, 
they're hiring. And, you know, they all spoke even the same dialect because that, that was back in the early days of the bakery. They would come, and so we had a lot of family. We still, to this day, have a lot of family members that have joined us and, and their kids and their their other relatives have come to the company, which is which is nice. Um, but, it, you know, it's changed over the years. I mean, now it's, it's uh, we have a, you know, a, a cross-section of, of people from different uh, cultures and different countries, uh, which makes it nice. It's a great melting pot. Well, um, you find that there's, there's, there's less of that person that 30 years ago was part of your sales force, or not your sales force, but your employment in, the, in, in, the, in the, doing the kinds of things that result in the bread being a finished product. That they're, they're, like you said, they were Italian people. Maybe they were Everett people. Maybe yep. they were. Uh, they might have been an Irishman. They, 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 were, they were local. Yeah. Well, it's pretty funny over the years. So Italians were were, were actually the, uh, the back in the day largest our largest uh, uh, population of employees. And then we went to a Spanish culture, uh, Latinx, I guess you'd call them. And for various uh, um, Spanish countries, we had from Spain and. Mexico, uh, Colombia, Venezuela. We got some down the Cape from Venezuela. They Venezuela, might <laughs> they're great workers. Yeah. And we had, for, for many years, a lot of Spanish, um, people of Spanish uh, descent. And then uh, and Guatemalans. Then Asians. So those are Guatemalans, too, great. Small people. <laughs> and then um, and now we have a lot of um, Asians. That, Interesting, uh, that, really, that, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. And, and they, which is nice. I mean, which, I, mean I, I think we, we once came up with the amount of languages that are spoken, it was astronomical amount of languages spoken because of different dialects too and and you know being naive and realizing well spanish is spanish no no you know there's different dialect and, and like we talked about venezuelans speak different than guatemalans and speak you know and certain words are, are the same but um it's it's nice to have the diversity in our in our company we we take pride in that but um, what you find, you mentioned that now, and and, and I happened to um, do one of those drive through for a quick lunch yesterday, and uh, the call, the one you talked to on the on the remote, the one because it was you know you're outside, yep. the one that hand you the uh, the the bag with your food, and uh, the next person after that, literally out there, I think they're all would suggest that it was Spanish, right? And and you go across the street, and if you go to McDonald's. The people that are working behind the counter, oftentimes, in conversing among themselves, they speak. They don't speak English. They right. speak a different language, and that would uh, offer up that maybe some of those jobs um, are things that they can do. But more important than that, I think oftentimes that's because the people that have been here for two or three generations, they don't want those jobs. Right. And, True. And, and it's really a reflection on maybe what's going to happen in the future because those are the hardworking people that are going to survive and grow and teach their kids that they start from nothing in America sure. and they can go forward. So it's, it's a tough situation. And, and, and even now, it, the some of these uh, people that are can dic dictate the terms of their uh, employment, because sometimes the complaint is you interview someone and you go through the various stages and they get to the point where they get accepted for the position. And it's th there's a stop money. They just don't show up, right? Or this they don't even come in. They say, yeah. well, "Where? Well, he didn't." We've actually hired people that that um, just didn't. They, they went through all the paperwork. Even went through maybe a, somewhat of an orientation. The first day of work, they never show up. They don't even pick up the phone and let us know that they they, yeah. they lost interest or they got another job, yeah. which is which is unfortunate. You know that happens quite a bit. Or maybe they sat around the kitchen table and started adding up what they're going to get if they work and what they're getting by not work, and Correct. they decided <laughs> I just I could babysit my kids and not go to daycare, in which case that we were, we were ahead of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I, I think back to my grandfather. I think you may have known my grandfather. He came from Italy, and I remember you know he passed away in 1988 at the age of 94. Um, and I remember asking him when I was just a kid, like, why did he come to this country? What made him come here? And I, it, it always stuck with me. He said, for the opportunity to work, and, and not for the opportunity to get anything for free or get handouts, he said that they would, there weren't jobs available in Italy. And he left at the age of 18 with his older brother, and they came here to work to get a job and send money back home to their, to their parents and the rest of their family. And... Um, I mean, I, 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 I encourage, you know, people from other countries to come to this country, but again, um, to want to work, to want to give back and, and, and provide, yeah, so they can maybe fly other, not fly, bring other relatives back to this country as well and also send money to them 
um, so they can have a, a better life. But it, it, it's nice to hear when people want to work, and I think there's nothing more fulfilling than working. I mean, look at you. You're you're still working, and, and it, it's a great— I got Social Security in four years. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so good. It, keep, it keeps you young and active and, 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 and busy. I mean, it's just—it's great to be able to have that opportunity to work. The— um do you think it makes a difference uh, in in the, in the terms of the country that, depending on who's the president or who's who's running the country, that 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 filters down to the local level or to the basic level of the of the people that there's a, there's a sense that one party over another really does make a difference in the people's lives, or that that ultimately they they're basically all the same. Uh, I just read it on, uh, the uh, in the Sunday paper. There was an obituary about a former governor of New Jersey, and, and he was the first Italian American re- elected in um, New Jersey. Okay. And he ended up. He served a term. He had run several times before he was successful, and it ended up um, he lost re-election. And one of the things that was just going on for New Jersey forever, they were always raising taxes, sales taxes, income taxes, other kinds of taxes. And when he ran for re-election, one of the items that was uh, being taxed that hadn't been taxed previously was toilet paper. And his opponent used that as a, as a, as a campaign effort in order to replace him as governor, which he did. Yep. And it, it kind of it's just kind of a simple thing, but sometimes when you have complex issues you're dealing with, as you do in life sometimes, and you certainly do in the way the economics and the government goes, that it's too it's too difficult to think deep, deep, deep. It's kind of easier to look at one focus, and then whether it's the, the amount of money you're paying in taxes or the real estate, like you said, at the local level, your taxes go up. Uh, it may be a problem for, uh, for the elected officials to get reelected, but right. but in recent years since they had the two and a half cap, that and that wasn't a political decision. That was the people voting that they don't want taxes to be increased by more than two and a half percent in a given year. Right. And in that way, prior to that, if if there was a shortage of uh, beating your budget at the local level, you just bump up the real estate tax. And right. maybe you pick and choose what you raise, whether it was commercial that don't vote because they don't live here, or the residential, which is the bigger part of the, bu- uh, the source of income. But So in any way, um, it just seems that Today is much more difficult, even in the, in the other days when there was problems in people politically agreeing. There's no middle grounds anymore. Everybody right. is, is it's an extreme situation. Yep. And it's unfortunate. Too far to the left or too far to the right. That's the yeah, yeah. And, and, and the, uh, the just the, uh, I guess the people aren't getting along, which is, I mean, years ago, if, if someone was a Republican, someone was a Democrat, did agree to this. It was like liking the Red Sox or the Yankees. I mean, you you would even joke with your 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 friend or family member because you were on different sides of the aisle. Now it gets very contentious. It's very uh, it's it's a shame to see that it's gotten so divisive today, and um, which which is a shame. And and everything's politicized. Yeah. Well, you know, they cite so often in in, in dialogue that uh, or dialogue rather that. Uh, when President Reagan was president, uh, what difference he had with Tip O'Neill, who sure. was Speaker of the House, they could still get together after the, the session adjourned, and they'd sit around, and they could have a drink or whatever yeah. they wanted to do. And, and at least you, you could have a, a social, personal relationship with yeah. people, even though philosophically you might not be on the same page. Yeah, I heard a great story that Tip O'Neill, of course he's from the Boston area, uh, he was Speaker of the House at the time, and when uh, President Reagan got shot, he um, snuck into the hospital, no entourage, no, you know, went in the back door quietly. Of course, he was a good Catholic, Tip O'Neill. Kneeled down at his bedside and made the sign of the cross and, and said, please, dear God, don't let, don't take him. He's, he's, he's one of the good ones. And I mean, I, 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 I can't see today, Nancy Pelosi, and of course, she wouldn't have done that to Donald Trump. I don't even see her doing. I don't know. I just don't see. Prayers wouldn't do her any good. That's why. (laughs) (laughs) But I just think it's it was, um, you know. I mean, it's a shame. It's it was a now you being mayor in the nineties. Then it it was a simpler time. Then it wasn't as contentious. I mean, things people got along, and um, I mean, didn't you find that? Yeah, there were differences, but and there were and and at the local level, there are different issues at the national level. But I would think when you said Tip O'Neill. Uh, if 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 I was a kind of a, a, a black thinking person in terms of my uh, my opinion, I, I would suggest that maybe 
as a Speaker of the House, you know, the step between the Vice President and the Presidency, yeah. maybe he was there checking his pulse to right. see him. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Could have been. Maybe Could moving up a notch. Could have been. <laughs> Could have been. Now, let me ask you a question. I'm going to flip the, the table here. Did You were mayor. Uh, did you ever have aspirations to run for uh, higher office or another office? After? No, I actually, um, it's kind of interesting because um, – as you as you may remember at that time um there was a there was a vacancy for congress and the so the, this this prior to my being mayor i was at that time uh, first time i ran for office was a state representative sure and uh, the uh, uh, jimmy conway had been state representative and elected mayor so there was a vacancy okay so uh, i had thought about running several times over the years for different reasons, family responsibilities, and so what I just never did. And I, so when Eddie ran, and that was the, that was the t- a time that Eddie Markey ran. Okay. And um, there was about eight or nine or ten candidates. A state senator, Steve McGrail, was in that in that race. Sure. Um, Joe Crokin, who ultimately would finish runner-up in the primary, was in that race. He was the chief of staff to uh, Toby McDonald. Toby, but there sure. were credible people running. And um, the the thing is that the the, um, the the structure there is is a seniority has a lot of benefits to the person running and for the district they represent right. because the longer you're serving, the higher up you move in the pecking order, which means you have more there more influence in, within the within the uh, g- process of government, particularly if your party is a majority party. Right. But at that point, even if the job was Available to me, unopposed, I wouldn't have been interested. Right. Just because at my age at that time, um, and and I wasn't old, but I was I was uh, Eddie Mark was uh, not that long out of law school. He was very young, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, and, and 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 um, the, the the rest of that was and um, th- that in in Washington, people seem when they get there, they don't want to leave. Right. And unfortunately, in some instances, the importance of staying there to them is greater than the benefit they try to give out to the people that they represent. So well said. you get a, a group of people that uh, maybe philosophically uh, bend a little bit more than they need to because they don't want to say, so. well, how silly How silly can you think about a governor losing an election because of, there's a tax on toilet paper? Well, maybe right. that actually was a factor, you know, right, but it was right. broader than that. But that brings me to another question. And I've mentioned this on the show a couple of times. S- some states have a single slate of people that run for office. Right. Doesn't matter, Republican or Democrat. If the if the leading candidate, when the election votes are counted, doesn't get fifty percent of the vote of, of that were um, participating in the election, then you have a runoff between the top two candidates. Right. Doesn't matter whether it's Republican or Democrat. Two Democrats, two Republicans, one of each. The thing is that the people in November would have a choice. In fact, in Georgia, uh, I think there was three candidates in um, in the 2016, and the the one who was nominated on paper had uh, Purdue was his name. Yep. He had 97.7 percent of the votes, and he had the larger number of votes, but he didn't have 50 percent. Wow. So then they had another election in January, which was a tough time to have an election after the holidays. And in in, even Georgia gets a little bit cold in January. And uh, there was some dynamic politically where su- supposedly the then-elected President Trump discouraged people to go to vote. Who, I don't know if that's true or not. But right. anyway, the point is, so then he lost that election. And, 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 and in Massachusetts, you have a two-party system on paper. But when you think of it, you have 40 state senators, only three s- Republicans. Oh, yeah. And in the, in the House, there's a, a 160 representatives statewide, and there's, I think, my, well, there's less than 30. So maybe in this state, um, what we should do is we should have one slate of ca- uh, candidates, and that way there you get a choice in November because it gets fractionalized. And... Just to get back again to and give you two elections, one was Eddie Markey, with all due respects to the to the congressman uh, and now the senator or whatever. But uh, in running, he he garnered uh, a little over, as I recall, a little over twenty percent of the vote. But you had seven or eight or nine or ten people running, right? Including right. the state senator, Mayor Rivera, I think, was in that race, and um, 
He might have won in November anyway because he had the momentum. Joe Crokin finished second, but yeah. not that far behind him at that level. But right. there was no choice. That was it. That yeah. The election was all And, of over. course, Joe was Torby's uh, right hand, right? He was right. the chief of staff. He and was. and and Everyone thought he was a shoo-in for, right. the, for the role because wasn't Torby sick the last he, he, the end he, of his he, term? He, and he, really, Joe, he was Joe quite was, Ill. was in yeah. the office, yeah. really. Yeah. But and more recent than that, when— um, Congressman Kennedy vacated his office to run. And that's the fourth district when he did that in the past election to run for Joe senator. Kennedy, sure. Um, there was a multi-field in, and there was several credible candidates. And uh, the one that was nominated in September again, he only got a little better than twenty percent of the vote. So, but once you get the job, then it ends up that. Um, it's, you get isolated in there, and it's very difficult to unseat someone unless there's a major issue or some kind of a controversy that focuses on the person decides for whatever reason not to run and opens well, up again. Right. But uh, but as an incumbent, you don't lose very often unless it's a, uh, it's like a— yeah, What's your take on term limits, though? Say what? What's your take on term limits, you think? Uh, well, I, th I think um, six years is too long for a senator. Now, in terms of uh, term limits— um, um, that that maybe has some merit only because um, um, you, you maybe get a fresh pers perspective of someone new coming in, or your people get in, they get comfortable in the job, and therefore they maybe don't work as hard, they don't need to be as aggressive as they they were before because they're uh, they either running un unopposed or they're running it with token opposition. And and in Massachusetts, it's if you if it's being a democratic state, it's it's uh, it's extremely difficult for a Republican to get. Nominated and elected. Though it's funny, uh, the last thirty-two years, twenty-four out of the thirty-two, we've had a Republican governor. That's uh, right, and 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 in 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 that, but when you look, they they, they and you get term limits now. They, they, even when they had an option, even this current governor Baker and the one before him, well, two terms and they were out. But there's uh, no term limits. They they could serve it. That's correct. But in Massachusetts, right. it's been a recent tradition that governors serve two terms. Although again. That's not a, a requirement or a limitation. And uh, the the thing is, and, and, and as a matter of fact, bringing up that situation, I think of the two candidates that the, that ran for as the Republicans in this past primary, that the one who lost, the businessman, whatever little chance the Republican had to be elected governor would have been him more than the, the person that got nominated. Though, though he had never ran for public office before, and he was a business Business owner, businessman, but yeah, Welt never ran before. No, Welt ran and be lost before. He, he ran right. AG many years before he ran yeah. for governor. But I mean, he did, he hadn't had held public office, right. and, and uh, other, John Volpe hadn't held right. unless he was on. He lost. He ran, he ran for school committee more than I think he lost. Really, <laughs> and he was a good governor. Yeah, he was yeah. a great guy. But, good uh, guy too. But anyway, it, it, politics has a, is a, is very interesting, and, and the thing you know in the current in our current country, we such environment. It's just so. Difficult that to get things done because it's either a, a yes. I mean, they just had the, some vote in the uh, in the in the House, and uh, it, it garnered ten Republican votes. And uh, but the, 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 as it is now, before the election, uh, before January, currently the Re Democrats have a slight majority. But th this particular the vote was ten Republican, and then the <laughs> the broadcaster mentioned. The ten people that voted with the Democrats are the ten people that either lost the primaries as a, in, the, in, the, in the Republican side, or aren't running for weren't running for re-election. So the ten were, they didn't have any concern about what's going to go on after this because they're not going to be there anyway. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a that's a sorry side. Yeah. <laughs> well, but anyway, so but when you're on your, when you do your radio show, did you yes. have call-ins? No, I don't. I um, I did. I uh, the one on the on no show was was live. And I pre-record the one in RKO, but no, you know what? It's funny. I um, when I used to host a show initially, a, a show here on MATV, I had Collins. Made me very nervous because I uh, a few of them I think were pranks, and you never know what you got to get. I, I I'm reluctant. I know someone like um, so many of the talk show hosts today, especially on RKO, have Collins, but um, you don't know what you're gonna what you're gonna get. You know that's that's well. Could you shut them off here at the time because I um. Um, I'm trying to think back. Uh, when I first did this show, on uh, the old days, uh, um, live, yep. y there were call-ins. Yep. And uh, 
the one the, the one thing that I noticed about the call-ins, even if you were talking about a particular so- topic that was current, sometimes the person that called in would would have some grievance and that and they would they would call in and you put them on the phone, and they were talking about something unrelated right. at all to what. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. it wasn't wasn't vicious. Yeah. But the one the one call that I mentioned, we used to do a Christmas show. And uh, we had someone dress up as Santa Claus, and uh, so the uh, you'd call in, and that would be for kids to call in to ask things for Christmas. Yep. And my grandson called in, and uh, he was young at the time, obviously. And um, he said, "That isn't Santa Claus. That's Pa. <laughs> that's what they call me, Pa." Because <laughs> he could he could tell from my eyes. He so that he was one of the callers. But then I had another call, and 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 uh, these electronic gadgets were get, getting popular with kids, and so he wanted one for Christmas. And um, I said to him, "Well, how old are you?" And I think he said he was like six years old or seven years old. And I'm thinking, well, maybe his parents don't want to give him one. Right, right. So I said to him, rather than say you're not going to get it, or maybe you, <laughs> you t- I said to him, "Well, you know." How uh, just as half a joke, obviously. How about a roll of dimes? Because uh, was meaning he could go to the phone, right, right, right. Phone. That's funny. Yeah, but that, the only problem is the person that was helping me at the stations uh, was with the, the Santa said uh, that uh, it cost a quarter. Oh, yeah, I know. I was going to say you date yourself with a roll of. Well, so so I said, oh well, we've been at the North Pole. We've been too busy making Christmas presents <laughs> to know what. To <laughs> Today you can't even find a payphone. You can't find a, a pay no. They, they know. I know someone yeah. owned the business. Then yeah. they, 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 so. no more business. And in fact, um, you're right. I don't think they're out. Well, I guess once in a while they might be at a at, the, at a train station or at a bus stop or somewhere. But anyway, so um, you're right. The, the changes in the, the world are, are out there constantly. But uh, the environment for business is, is it has some pluses and minuses now. And uh, the um, the vote that people make this this year may have nothing to do at all with what they're getting. It's what they think that they well even now there's a, I saw a thing in the paper that's supposed to be getting some more debt forgiveness for college. Sure. Loans. Yeah. 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 Which sometimes, if you think about it, how about the people that frugally planned ahead and put the money away for their kids or the whatever, the family member, and minimized the debt or they didn't have any debt because they either the put they the, sacrificed, they worked hard, yeah, uh, put the money away, or maybe the maybe the uh, student uh, uh, helped out himself by working summers and jobs right. for school year. Yeah. In fact, I had a, I remember several years ago, I had a neighbor of mine. And at the time, he had, he graduated from a state college, and uh, I couldn't believe he owed almost eighty thousand dollars wow. in, in student loans. And I'm saying, how you know? I'm state, I mean, I can understand if you went to Northeastern or BC or Harvard or right. uh, any Ivy League schools that are away from away. Well, it turns out apparently what he did was he after his freshman year he stayed at the school, but then. Expanding on the tuition uh, uh, eligibility, you also had you could buy books and you could buy sure. li- living expenses and there were other non-direct educational costs that you could incur. And so, at, at a state college, when the, there's a modest uh, tuition fee relative to what everybody else pays, if you go to these other schools, he still accrued that debt because over the course of the four years, he ended up. Uh, Doing a lot of things, yeah, and he didn't yeah. work that much doing the off fee. Oh, so on that note, uh, do you have any last words to pass on? Well, the pleasure being here with you, Ed, and being back here at MATV. This is great. I haven't been here in a long time, so we it's should, not we, MATV we anymore. Bring your, grand, bring your son over here My so we'll give him a chance. Yeah, <laughs> you've got the mask on. He's a... Yeah. I think he might be the if he's not the designated driver, maybe keeping <laughs> keep his father company. Yeah, so no, he's he's, like, he's, he's helping me do. Um, you get to bend down a little bit. He's helping me uh, with my media. He's uh, at Fordham University in New York. He's a. Oh, that's uh, your student. He's going yes, I'm in grad school right now. Yeah, so. and what's your major? So I was an English major undergrad, but now I'm in media management. Good for uh, you. You can come here as an intern. Yeah. He <laughs> intern for ABC when he was a, a junior at, uh, at Fordham undergrad. I remember that, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, fun. nice to see you here. Nice to be nice a, to help, help yeah. your dad and. Uh, We'll go from there. He's great. Well, it's a pleasure being here today. You do a great job, and it's so nice you're still active and involved with the community. You give back so much of your time, which is so nice. You get one of your coins, right? Yeah, one of these. Oh, look at this. One of these. Thank you. I know, I've got one before from you. I keep it with me. 
Yeah. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Great to be here with you. And yeah. tune in now. You can come to the bakery and buy our bread or check it out at supermarkets. But tune in 680 AM, WRKO, Saturday night, 6 to 7, Breaking Bread. Breaking Bread. I'd love to have you as a guest, too, sometime. Good. Please do. In fact, uh, I happened to catch a bit of Howie Carr the other day, and he had on, he, one of his, one of his uh, sponsors is 110. Sure, 110 Grill, yep. Yeah. I, 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 I